Hello and welcome to another episode of the Daily Remedy Podcast. Today we're here with patient advocate extraordinaire and, dare I say, social media influencer, Jamie Sanchez. And with that, I'd like to welcome Jamie. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dr. J. I appreciate that. It's my honor to be here. So definitely the honor goes both ways. And I'm so impressed with everything that you're doing with Dr. Tennant and Dr. Ibsen. So before we delve into your story, why don't you tell us a little bit about your current project and how you're raising advocacy through your own platform? Thank you. Well, one of the most recent things that we're doing um, is the SOS event, and that is, it stands for Sea of Souls, and it stands for also not only the uh, people that are still alive and in our boat, so to speak, but also for those that we've lost in this war, um, the war on people. And so that's the most recent a project that we're working on. It will be a compilation of 1,000 faces at the least, but with each person that is there, they can also bring uh, pictures of their loved ones. And so that could stand for even more people. Certainly. And so I would recommend those listening to get a hold of Jamie and uh, make sure that you figure out a way to participate and make sure that your voice is heard. So. Jamie, let's start at the beginning. Tell us your story, how you became a patient and then a patient advocate. Well, it goes it goes back quite a ways. Um, let's see. Let's look. In my teenage years, I started to have uh, female problems and had no idea. I'll even back up further than that. I, I lived on Camp Lejeune Marine Corps Base as a child. And uh, my father served as a Marine. And so I was in uh, toxic chemical, like water that is tainted with toxic chemicals. I was in that for five years. And so that we're finding has caused a lot of today's health problems. My father died at age 65 from it. Um, it's, it's a terrible thing. But going forward into those teenage years, I started to have some problems uh, reproductive problems at a very early age. And then come to find out by age 40, I had a huge conglomeration of um, diagnoses that are detailed, they are charted, and I counted them and it equals 75 separate diagnoses. And I'm like, this is from different doctors. This is from different specialists. And I'm learning from Dr. Tennant that not, it's not that it was a misdiagnosis. They were correct. It's just that a lot of these diagnoses are already combined within adhesive arachnoiditis, for instance, it, it, uh, amount, it accounts for probably 15 of those diagnoses. And so then with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, that also accounts for several of those. So they all are in one big lump. But um, going back, I, I was involved in a car accident that changed my life. Um, I was hit by a drunk driver. And um, then the impact was so great that it we hit a tree head on. My kids were in the car with me. And um, it 
all the windows in the whole car blew out. And thank God my kids lived. I lived. My youngest son was injured. He had a, a piece of glass in his temple, one millimeter from his optic nerve, but he still has 20-20 vision. And my, my eldest son had a seatbelt bruise across his chest. Um, but what I remember is hearing my kids screaming from like football fields away, mom, mom, but they were just in the back seat. And the story, as I recovered and went forward, my son told me that he would scream my name because my head would drop down and then they'd scream my name and I would, my head would go back up. They'd scream my name again. And it just kept happening like that. Um, that actually caused my brain to slide down into my neck, which also gave doctors the uh, the knowledge of seeing or the ability to see that I have Chiari uh, con and congenital disorder of the brain. But those cerebellar tonsils had shifted down so far into my neck that they needed to do brain surgery. So um, that's part of the story but after the um the brain surgery then i just kept having more and more problems i would get diagnosed with like tmj or um they would say intractable back pain or just different things i didn't know anything about adhesive arachnoiditis so I, that diagnosis didn't come until 2017 Wow, that was a lot said there, and that's a very powerful story. Uh, for the listening audience, you mentioned three conditions. You mentioned adhesive acronitis, Erzdanlos syndrome, and then Chiari, so bud Chiari formation. Um, would you mind, in your own way, explaining that so that the audience understands what those conditions are? Sure. Um, to the best of my knowledge, it, it starts out with adhesive arachnoiditis. It is something that causes such severe severe pain. I would rather have a child every day than feel this. Um, and it is not just in your spine, but it is throughout your body. But the, the fire sensation that is within the spine um, is also, it comes along with another price that you pay, which is um, bladder and bowel dysfunction, sexual dysfunction. You feel like something, like you either have warm water going down your legs or cold water, or like something's crawling on your skin when there's nothing there. Um, it causes uh, a lot of problems which can run into intractable pain syndrome. And um, I could just quickly go into that. That is when pain is 24 seven. And then it becomes, it affects the cardiac, adrenal, endocrine, your, um, all kind, your whole body, basically, it just, it really does. But to go back to Ehlers-Danlos, I have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And um, when I was a kid, I could do things like this, I could just like bend my fingers, like, I could just do weird things, just very bendy. They called me Gumby. Um, I, I would try like cheerleading and my arm would bend like way too far backwards and my knees backwards. Well, then that became injuries. Um, we thought I was just clumsy. Um, I think I've been on crutches a total of nine times with six weeks, six weeks each time for, uh, torn ligaments in the ankles. And so, um, 
also with, I think the best way that I could define Ehlers-Danlos would be like a, a collagen deficiency disorder. Like a person would be uh, deficient in iron that would cause anemia. Collagen deficiency could is is the closest thing, like a connective tissue disorder. Exactly. Um, yeah, collagen, I believe, is type 3. And then it, uh, it's connective tissue that helps with uh, stabilizing the joints and the parallel lateral support. That was very well, uh, uh, very educated uh, uh, explanation of that condition. So that was um, very good. Thank, thank you for that. Uh, thank you. I want to talk a little bit about the difficulties in diagnosing adhesive arachnoiditis. Yes. You mentioned something that's very powerful. It wasn't the wrong diagnosis. It was simply the inability to recognize the constellation of symptoms and signs that portends adhesive arachnoiditis. Many of the chronic pain patients listening understand that because they see the complex nature of their conditions and the inability to diagnose it in full. For those who may not understand that, who may be fortunate enough not to understand that, can you explain how a physician may get part of the diagnosis but may miss the other part and why that matters? Yes, yes, thank you. Um, it's it's such a complicated thing that I was told actually by three different physicians that I was too complicated. My case was too complex that they would send me down the road, um, much like either cherry picking or lemon dropping, just no. So um, it, it comes with a, a huge toll. It, it makes a warrior out of you. And what I mean is that you may have a diagnosis of, say, depression and a diagnosis of um, bulging discs and then a diagnosis of uh, bladder dysfunction different diagnoses that all go together with it. But again, they, when I mentioned after, after being diagnosed with adhesive arachnoiditis, when I mentioned it, I had a specialist and they said to me, you're not afraid of spiders. And I said, no, arachnoiditis. And he goes, I don't know that. And I said, that's okay. A lot of people don't. I had never heard of it. So that's where we run into a problem of it being almost unheard of. And now that it's not as, it's like an old disease. It, it's not quite a rare disease. It's just rare that people get that proper diagnosis. And um, to top that cake, although I have the same exact discs that Dr. Tennant read himself from 2017 to 2021, he read those and he saw obvious AA, which is adhesive arachnoiditis, um, stage three and four overlying. That same exact CD, I have a report from another radiologist that says there is no evidence of adhesive arachnoiditis. So when a patient gets that type of news, when they know something's desperately wrong and you have a report in your hand that says, nope, you don't have what your doctor says you have. You don't have what your body says you have. You don't have what you've learned that you have. Then what do you have? How do, how do we fix this? What do we do to treat this? Um, and to me, I didn't really care what it was called. I just wanted to know more about it so I could get the treatment that was necessary. So that was a really big mark on 
on me to say, well, it says you don't have it. Then Dr. Tennant just recently explained that MRIs are not the gold standard in diagnosing adhesive arachnoiditis because you can have a very serious case of AA and it doesn't even show up on the um, on the report. I mean, I'm sorry, on the imaging. And then you can have a very mild case that shows up a lot. So you also have the problem of people that might not know what they're looking for as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Dr. Tennant a few times now, and I think it's important to highlight Dr. Forrest Tennant and just the incredible work that he's been doing for patients like yourself, um, for advocates. Talk a little bit about how you met Dr. Tennant and how you changed your career trajectory and your journey as a patient because of that relationship. Yes, thank you. It was um, what a lot of people might call coincidence or happenstance, but I don't think so. It was kind of um, one of these things that you you still go, did that even happen? So I was sent one of his books. Um, a friend gave me one of his books and sent it to me. And it had an email address. No, I'm sorry. It had an, a, a mailing address and a phone number. And then I, it might've had an email too. I'd have to go look, but regardless, I ended up emailing Dr. Tennant not thinking he would ever write back or they like have time to write back. And um, I got a response back and I'm going, this is different. Okay. So then I found out that um, he would be willing to read MRIs on a donation basis if the person is able to. And so I was interested in that and I wanted to see his idea of what he thought that I had. And he found things from my brain to my tailbone um, that are pretty severe. And so then he said that he had a question for me. And he said, you know, I feel like everything that I'm writing, all of my publications, I don't know that they're going anywhere. And he said, I don't think, it doesn't look like many people are um, even checking my website. And he was a little down, it sounded like. And he said, do you have any ideas of how to get the word out? I'm going, I don't know. I said, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. If anything comes up, I'll let you know. And the next day, the word podcast was there. And I'm going, you don't know. Well, I call him and tell him about it. And he says, you know, he said, I've done that before. And I thought, okay, that's, and he said, and I think it's high time we do that again. Well, I had never been to a Zoom meeting. Today is my first podcast ever being on one. So I had no clue what I was doing. But um, in the past, that started in October of 22. And since then, I've learned more about my own conditions, but also about the fact that I'm not alone in this, that not only are there so many people that are sadly suffering with this, but there are people that understand and that makes a world of difference. Let's touch on that a little bit. I know Dr. Tennant, obviously not as well as you do, but an incredible physician, uh, incredibly compassionate man. And I think that's something unique in today's healthcare, having that level of compassion and empathy. First part of the question is, how does Dr. Tennant's unique take on patient care help inform the clinical decisions he's able to make? and help the patients he is able to help? And how has speaking to other patients helped you 
in your own patient journey? Oh, that's a good question. Good question. Um, so the first question was, how has what I've learned from him helped to, could you, could you please repeat that one more time? I'm so sorry. No worries. Just talk about Dr. Tennant's care and mm -hmm. just impression that he makes on patients, people around him, and just the presence that he is. Yes, yes, I get it. Um, thank you. It's, I, I think it's very hard to find and it'll be very hard to fill those shoes. Um, it, he cares so deeply and it's, it's, I'm finding maybe one or 2% of healthcare providers that do care to the point that they, he could really be out on a yacht somewhere just enjoying life and never think about people like myself or, or anyone in the, the community of people in pain, but he works tirelessly daily, every day trying. And I think that really makes the difference when he's willing like you to level on the same level as the patient and to show, listen, I care about you. I, it's not, I'm, you're not here to fill my pockets. Um, he looks you in the eyes. He's not just looking away from you and just on his computer screen. Uh, it, it's just a huge difference. And he's never been my physician clinically, but what he has taught has been a life changer. It's turned my life completely around um, in, in, the, in knowing that this devastating, these devastating diseases don't have to be a death sentence. Um, there, it was found later in life. And so I'm taking my chances. Early, uh, early diagnosis is critical with these types of diseases. But I think at this point, the main thing is to try not to get worse. And then the second part of that is, um, Knowing, I guess the building of that community that has always been there, it's just, it's so important, even for Dr. Tennant, it's important for him to know that people are listening to him and that they need what he's teaching and that they're actually utilizing that information. Let's talk about the concept of information a little bit further. There's the information that we all know and assume as obvious take this medication, perform this study, but there's also certain tidbits, certain kind of rules of thumb that you may pick up in speaking with other patients who have similar trajectories as yours, speaking with physicians in this vein. What are some of those less obvious learnings that you've picked up? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, do you mean in terms of protocol as far as treatment, or do you mean um, like the less obvious learnings as far as community goes? I think both. Maybe okay. you could pick up on a new protocol that you could speak with your physician or somebody could speak with their physician mm -hmm. and just what it means to have a community and how that benefits you as a patient in ways that may not be immediately obvious. Right, exactly. Yes, um, it's it's. I have found that patients' experiences with uh, the educational material that Dr. Tennant has provided, they have had, I've, I haven't seen anyone with a bad experience yet. And when they note that you know, Cleveland Clinic and so many others have used 
when they tie, when they write about adhesive arachnoiditis and Dr. Tennant is one of their resources or their references, then they understand that that he really knows he has 67 years of experience in this same field. And so it's it's a shame that there is no continuing education uh, for a lot of physicians anymore. And a lot of people think that doctors should know everything about every little disease there is. And quite frankly, that's not the truth. It's it's not the case. Doctors are humans. And so that brings... Um, when when you have a, a booklet, like a little handbook, and you go into a specialist and you have sent that into them prior to your appointment, and you've written a note that says, hey, page 9 through 11, I'd really like for you to check this out if you get a chance. There are more chances that they might actually listen, especially when they see that the patient is so proactive in self-care and self-help that they're not going to need their hand held through the whole thing that they're kind of already doing things on their own. Um, we have found a lot of positive feedback from that. Well said. Now, speaking of positive feedback, you have a weekly show with Dr. Tennant, Dr. Ibsen as well. We talked a lot about Dr. Tennant. Uh, Dr. Ibsen is also just another incredible soul, incredible physician, somebody who's really on the vanguard of changing patient care and empowering patients. Talk about this show and let the listening audience know how they can get a hold of you, potentially participate, and share their stories on your show as well. That would be great. Thank you so much. Yes, they can uh, reach us at Doc Talks on YouTube. It's D-O-C-T-O-K-S. And um, then there's also a small Facebook group, but and that's also the same name, um, D-O-C-T-O-K-S. And then we have Linktree, which puts everything all together, including Dr. Tennant's uh, intractablepain.org website and his Arachnoiditis Hope website. Um, it includes Dr. Ibsen's book called Dr. Bison's Fables, um, an allegory of the American pain refugee crisis. It includes Dr. Tennant's books, and it includes a link straight to your book, Burden of Pain, as well. And so everything is all together as one, because that's what we are. We are all one. And so that's Linktree. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash DocTalks, D-O-C-T-O-K-S. Then you'll go down under the icons and there will be just different ways. And it points you straight to it. It, it shows you exactly where to go when you want to um be with us on the show or to watch the past recordings on YouTube. So thank you. Linktree is probably the easiest one we've found so far. Awesome. And I will put the URL at the bottom so that those listening can uh, select that link and join um, the group and participate in old videos and current videos as well. Uh, Jamie, with that being said, do you have any final words or any words of advice that you can give to those listening that they can learn from you, get involved and potentially learn how they can get on your show? I do. Um, with, with, with the show aside, I, I want to talk to people's hearts and I want them to know something that a lot of us maybe daily have the thought of throwing in the towel and just saying, look, this is not worth it. I beg you not to. I beg you not to give up. I beg you 
to stay alive. Stay, like Dr. Ibsen says, stay alive. And as Dr. Ibsen has said, and he is such a wonderful soul, he says that the Titanic is turning. And Susan says, Susan Fransheim says the iceberg is melting. And so we're asking you to understand you're really not alone. Please don't give up when you have a provider that tells you that your symptoms are psychosomatic, meaning all in your head. Please find another provider. Don't give up. And there's one more thing that I'm adding is I do know what it's like for my own suffering. I've had 17 surgeries. I've We don't have the time to tell my whole story, I promise. But you're looking at someone who does have intractable pain syndrome, at someone whose life has been completely flipped upside down from intractable pain. And I understand what it's like to not be believed. I know what it's like to even be called a stigmatized uh, word that isn't the truth. Um, and for those out there who have been told that they are less than what they are, just stick with what you know. You know what you're going through. You know your body more than anyone else ever will. When you know something's wrong, continue to seek help, even if that help comes from you, yourself. Wow, well said. I, I don't really have much to conclude because I don't know if there's anything left to say after that. Jamie, thank you so much for your time. As always, we'll be in touch and we'll continue to support each other. It's a blessing thank to know you. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you so much. It's a blessing to know you too. Mm -hmm. Not alone.